So today I want to talk about the purpose of the church. Like, why do we come to church every week? And then we all have a different idea of why to come to church. You know, the Bible tells us to. Um, A worship service like that, that is enough for me to come to church to get in the presence of God. But we all have um, maybe ideas of the purpose of the church. But Ben quoted that statistic. Ben and I were driving and we were listening to an audio book. And it said that 89%, I've said this before, of believers believe that the church, the the purpose of the church is for the pastor to serve them and their family. And then 11% believes that the church is called to be the light into the world. So um, I was like, okay, let's see what God says about the purpose of the church. Because we serve a God of order and design and purpose. Like he doesn't build the church and then say, okay, figure it out. I hope it works out. Like he really has a plan and a purpose. We're not just here to be here. There's a plan and a purpose and for the local church. So I just want to um, get back to why we do what we do because it sets us free of disillusionment too and disappointment. So God knows what he's doing. I want to do what God's doing, and I want to know what he's called us to do. So the purpose of the church, and um, we're going to start in Ephesians 4, and um, I'm going to read a little extra before we get into the key verses because the word is so powerful. I was like, okay, I'm going to start at this verse. Oh, but that verse is good. Oh, that verse. And so you know what? I'm not going to apologize. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. I love the word of God. God can say it way better than any of us can say it. So we're just going to read a lot of scripture. So if you have your Bible, get it out and read it with me. But Ephesians 4, starting with verse 1, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, that's humility, and gentleness, long-suffering, so Ben was talking patience, Bearing with one another in love, endearing to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I mean, he's using a lot of words here. Be humble, be gentle, be patient, bearing one another. To me, that means all the same thing, but he is going to really talk about this a lot because he knows get a bunch of people together, it's not always going to be easy, right? but endearing to keep the unity of the spirit, the bond of peace. Because there is one body, there's one spirit, just as you were called into one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Isn't that powerful? That's not my key verses, but isn't that powerful? Okay, then he goes on to say, okay, Now, but to each one of us, grace was given to us. And that word grace also means gift. Every single one of us, God has given us a grace and a gift. And given according to the measure of the gift. And I believe that these gifts are listed in Romans 12. And we will get there. When he ascended on high, he led uh, captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Verse 9, now this he ascended, 
What does it mean? But that he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth. Now, what, what is this talking about? This is talking about what happened the three days that Jesus was crucified. He went down into hell, got the keys back from Hades. He conquered sickness and death, and he ascended on high. And when he came, he gave gifts to the body of Christ, not just salvation, but he equipped every single one of us to be powerful. So those three days, there was so much going on. I mean, the disciples are thinking Jesus is just dead, but he was doing business. He was getting things done. He was conquering hell. And at the same time, he's lavishing gifts upon his body, upon his bride, so that we can do powerful works as he did. Okay, so this is what's going on. Then it goes on to say, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Let me stop right there. He gave everybody gifts in the body of Christ. But to the church, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip us in those gifts to do the work of the ministry. Okay? Now, I'm going to talk about the fivefold ministry because it's kind of become this weird thing in the body of Christ. Like, everybody knows the pastor. But apostle, it's like, ooh, what's the apostle? Or uh, the prophet scares most people. <laughs> they don't want to be called out. <laughs> and the evangelist, nobody likes the evangelist because they're always convicting them that they're not telling the good news enough. But, um, and the teacher is always right. You know, the teacher is so strict on doctrine and... Um, but this, it says that Jesus gave of himself the fivefold ministry, and with the fivefold ministry, which fivefold ministry is actually not in the Bible, it's just a, something that it's Christianese that we phrased, but it's the government of God that God has called in the body of Christ to keep it healthy. It takes the flow of all five for a healthy body. And I want to talk about this because it is so important and you will kind of understand more our heart and why we do the things we do. Because if you don't understand this, maybe you're confused on things or we bring in certain guest speakers and you're thinking why, this is why. And I want to explain that. Okay, back to the scripture. Verse 12, for equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. That's you, to equip you for the work of the ministry that God has called you to do. Until we all come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to be a perfect man to measure the stature of the fullness of Christ, which I don't believe will happen until Jesus comes and rules and reigns on this earth. But that is our aim, and that's where we're growing, and we're all maturing to get there. Okay, that we should no longer be like children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, that the church is called to speak the truth in love. It is what we're called to do, and we won't stop doing it because truth is what sets us free. We have to have the truth, that we may grow up in things into him who is the head, Christ, from the whole body, we're joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. 
according to the effective working by which every part does its share. (laughs) It takes every single one of us to make the body working. Causing, by doing that, when everybody is doing what God has called them to do, this causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So powerful. Okay, the purpose of the local church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's a place where you get trained up to do what God has called you to do. It is a place where you learn how to have a successful, amazing, abundant life on this earth. Whatever you do, you know, for the work of the ministry, a businessman who loves the Lord could have a greater influence than even a pastor. Whatever God has called you to do, your gifts and talents are going to come out in that. Whatever that looks like, that's your ministry. Your ministry is you being you and using your gifts. You are the gift. And allowing those natural talents to come out in any, anywhere you are in, in, in this world where God has placed you in your vocation, in your home life, going to the grocery store, wherever you're at that you're doing the work of the ministry, you're representing Jesus Christ. Okay, so God gave gifts to the church to mature the church. And the gifts are the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers. So I want to talk about this a little bit, and we're going to get into other things. But their responsibility is to edify and equip the church, to speak truth and love so the body of Christ can mature. Um. So let's talk about this. Can I have, I need five volunteers. Who can help me? Five volunteers. Okay, come here, Nicholas. Thank you. You'll be our apostle. Thank you. Come over here, Sophia. Sophia, right? Yes, thank you. Okay, stand right here. Sophia, right here, you're going to be our prophet. I need three more. Thank you, Rocco, our evangelist. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, teacher, I need a teacher. Okay, come And I need a pastor. Thank you, Laura. Okay. And we're going to do pastor here. We're just going to do in the order of the Bible. Okay. All right, here we go. So, the apostle. Let's talk about the apostle. The Bible says the apostle are the builders in the church. They plant churches. They raise up pastors. They build leaders. They teach and defend the gospel at all cost. Good job, Nicholas. <laughs> and the Bible says, how will you recognize that it's a true apostle? Because, you know, people just love to throw labels around, don't they? <laughs> how will you recognize if it's a true apostle? In 2 Corinthians 12, 12, Paul's like, okay, you will know it's a genuine apostle because signs, wonders, and miracles, mighty works will be present when apostle is present. The body of Christ needs apostles. We need apostles. We need the supernatural. We need the builders. So this is the apostle. I think Paul in the Bible is the greatest example of apostle. There is other apostles, but if you study his life, that is an apostle. You see what he does. Okay, now let's move on to the prophet. The prophet is anointed to see in the invisible realm. Why am I breaking these down for us? 
Because I want you to understand that each one is so different and how much we need it in the body of Christ and in the local church. And most churches run on maybe one or two. But a healthy church needs all five. And everybody in their gifts. <laughs> like that's, that makes the body run. Okay, so back to the prophet. The prophet is anointed to see in the invisible realm more than the earthly realm. Now, you know these prophetic people. Their head is in the clouds most of the time. <laughs> but it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. We need them. Okay, they are hearing the voice of God and speaking it corporately. Prophets teach us how to live in the spirit and not in the flesh. But the biggest responsibility of the prophet is not to prophesy. Actually, somebody could have a greater gift of prophecy than a prophet. The prophet's responsibility is actually to raise up the prophetic. It's a spiritual mama or father. The same with the apostle. It's a raising up. The five-fold ministry doesn't just use their gifts. Everybody has gifts. Somebody can have a strong leadership gift and not be an apostle. But it's raising up. That's why we need them in the body of Christ. Okay, then the evangelist. Evangelist keeps us connected with the world. Not letting us become self-centered. Because the church can become pretty self-centered without this evangelist. Because, you know, signs, wonders, and miracles are happening. We're getting the prophetic. We love each other. We're good. We don't need them. Lord, save them. And the evangelist is here like, no, get out of these walls. Get out of there. Take this out there. So we need the evangelist. The evangelist keeps us focusing on preaching the word of God, the simple and pure word of God. Signs and wonders, signs and wonders are, we're, we're all supposed to walk in the signs and wonders. Don't think it's limited to them. Every single one of us are called to walk in the supernatural. But the apostle reminds us of that. But the evangelist also, signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word. When you look up the evangelist in the Bible, there's always the supernatural. Because signs, wonders, and miracles are for the unsaved. We know God is real. They need to see the supernatural. Listen, the church cannot compete with the entertainment and, and, and the, the, the lures of the world without the power of God. They don't need a, a message. They're not going to hear the word of God unless there's power and authority on top of it. Unless there's signs, wonders, and miracles. Unless there's a prophetic word given that literally rips open their heart and they know God is real. Do you know what I mean? In the anointing, we need the supernatural. We're not effective without it. Okay, so that's our evangelist. Again, the evangelist is called to stir up the evangelism in us. Okay, the pastors. The pastors are overseers of the local church to teach and guide. And guess what? To take care of the people. To care about the people. To bring correction in order to the church. To create a place where people can use their gifts. And the pastor is called to be humble because they need everybody. And an insecure pastor will not allow the other four fivefold to flow in the church. But they're humble that they create a place that the fivefold can come in and that the congregation can use their gifts. 
So that's the pastor. The teacher. The teachers impart revelation knowledge. There's an anointing on their life to teach truth. They're zealous for correct doctrine. They make sure the church doesn't go off on weird theology. They're powerfully anointed to impart revelation. Example is Joyce Myers, Andrew Womack. I mean, Andrew Womack, I think he's a little bit of apostle too, but his teachings has transformed the church. He is a teacher. And the teacher is called the raise up teachers. Okay, so um, why are these so important? Well, one, because God created them, and he said it's a gift to us. And when God gives a gift, I think that we should honor and value it. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Um, Ben and I read a book years ago. I don't know how many years ago, but it might have been when we first started pastoring or before. Thank you so much. Um, Called Culture of Honor by Danny Silk. Has anybody read this book, Culture of Honor? And it talks about how God created the church and the fivefold ministry and how much we need the fivefold ministry. Well, we read this book and it transformed our lives. We were just starting the church. So all we knew is there was pastors, but we knew that just pastors alone was not going to build a healthy church. I, I honestly believe that Ben is really starting to walk as an apostle. Like he hates when I say that. I, I think he's on the journey of that. He carries so many characteristics of apostle, and Andrew Womack prophesied over it. He, we can't go anywhere without people calling him out. So I think God is developing that in him, but he's also very much a pastor. Um, but I think this church carries that because there are strong leaders and big people, and a pastor alone will not draw that. We're leaders of leaders. So anyways, um, when we heard this, when we read this book, we were so intentional of getting covenant relationships with people in the five-fold ministry that would come regularly to impart to Ben and I and to our church, that we make sure that we have the five-fold ministry. Hopefully, one day, we'll have the five-fold within the church. I think that's so powerful. But I can't raise up an evangelist being a pastor. Let me tell you what I mean. I can teach on evangelism and powerfully, but it's not a gift I have to impart. I can only impart the gift given to me. So it takes an evangelist, the gift of the evangelist. When we honor the evangelist, we receive of the gift of the evangelist. When we honor the pastor, we receive the gift of the pastor. When we honor the prophet, we receive the gift of the prophet. Do you understand? And so when we have different guests coming, we're just not like, oh, we want a Sunday off. Ben never needs a Sunday off. I mean, you heard him last week. He, he's about to be rushed into surgery, and he's always concerned about his teaching the next day. But we know that you need more than us. And the people we ask to come, we trust them. And we have given these certain people authority to speak into our life. And I'm going to tell you, Joseph Z is is somebody we're in covenant with, and we trust his prophetic word. And he has called us several times, giving us warnings about people, about situations, and we heed the word. 
because he is gifted to see in the spiritual realm. He sees things that we need and we, ha- we honor that. And so when he comes, it's because he has something to give you. Does that make sense? Okay, so the fivefold ministry. Now, every single one of us has different gifts. So we're all going to like certain people more than others. You know, you're all drawn to somebody. If you're evangelistic, you're going to love Tom Crandall, right? And if you're a teacher, you might not. Because <laughs> the evangelist is just so simple or says whatever and signs and wonders and miracles. And the teachers are like, well, get to the word. Get to the word. <laughs> or, you know, if the prophet comes and you're a pastor, you know, I have that pastoral heart. You're like, oh, I hope he doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. Oh, I hope he doesn't say that. Oh, I'm going to have to call people this week. I mean, you're so concerned about people, that pastoral heart. So you're going to be drawn to the pastor. And we actually have, like, Bob and Audrey Meisner, I believe are pastors over us. They pastor us. They're so loving and nurturing. I can hardly tell Audrey something, and she'll just cry with me and hold me. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> But then we have the apostles in our life that are saying, you know, there's more. There's more. They're pushing us for more. And I'm thinking, our hands are full. We don't need any more. But I need the apostolic in our life that we don't get stuck to think bigger, to have bigger vision. Ben keeps going to these things and he conferences with these apostles and he's, they're imparting into him and he's coming back and he's like, let's do this and this and this. I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, grace, 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 grace. <laughs> But it's good. We want to do great things for the Lord, you know, and dream big and not get stuck. I, I feel like I'm so much of a pastor that I can get really comfortable with just us. Like, aren't we good together? You guys are amazing, and we have fun, and the presence of God, and, you know. And I need to be reminded, go out there. To use my gift out there too, because though I'm a pastor, I'm equally a saint. Like, I'm still seated as a saint, learning and growing, and I need the fivefold in my life also. So, this is the healthy church. So, the purpose of a church is to have the fivefold ministry flowing to equip and edify. The number one reason for the church is to equip and edify us for the working of the ministry, a place where you can get tools and teachings to raise you up to go out and do what God has called you to do, number one reason. Second one. Oh, let me say this real quick. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5. This also is talking about um, the calling on all of our life. They equip us for the ministry, and the ministry looks like this. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and new life is begun. Hallelujah. And this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us the task the work, the job of reconciling people to him. Here's our ministry. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to him, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. 
So we are Christ's ambassadors. Who are you? You're ambassador from heaven because we're seated in heavenly places. That is our real home. Don't get comfortable and don't love this world. It will not love you back. But we're ambassadors to reconcile people to God. It's, it's on every one of our life. With your exact personality, the gifts in you, God is using you to reconcile the world to him. And it says, as we're Christ ambassadors, God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, please come back to God. What's happening here? He's saying the Holy Spirit is in us with this urgency, this voice saying, come to me, come to me. And it flows out of us into the world, reconciling people to him. Does that make sense? For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So basically what this is saying is you got radically saved. God forgave you. He reconciled you. Now go and get others. In a nutshell, that's just what I read. <laughs> Praise God. We're a new person. He doesn't count our sins against us. There's no shame and condemnation on us. We're reconciled fully with Father God. Now that's in you. Go give it. However God leads you to do that. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, the local church is a place where we are called to encourage one another and hold each other accountable. There is power when we meet together. Do not underestimate how powerful it is that you wake up on a Sunday morning or come on a Wednesday night and come be here. It is huge in the spiritual realm and the enemy hates it. Why does he work so hard to talk you out of coming to church? Does that happen to anybody else? Well, not me. I love being there. <laughs> but I know. I mean, he'll throw everything at you to convince you not to come. Why? He's scared when we come together. We're powerful together. And we're not called to do life alone. We are not called to do life alone. I'm going to be honest with you, and I hope I don't hurt anybody's feelings. And, and if I do, I truly care because I'm a pastor. <laughs> but some of the weirdest Christians I know are the ones not planted in a local church. They go to conference to conference. They pick and choose what they want to hear, but they'll never fully get rooted. They're not fully seen or heard because nobody has to call them out on their stuff or accountable to nobody. I'm telling you, weird. And they get off on doctrine, just as Ephesians 4 said, like children, this doctrine and that doctrine, because they don't have the fivefold in their life. They're not, they don't have a pastor looking out for them. And they're not in a local body where people can see them. They allow them to see them and do real life with them. It's safe and it's fun. They're like, oh, I love this conference. Oh, I love this speaker. I'm just going to go eat all the candy, all the dessert, and never get to the meat. Or equally, I've seen people, believers, struggle and struggle their entire life because they won't fully get planted in a local church. They have a lot of word here, but just can't quite get here because it takes this. It takes your feathers getting ruffled every once in a while. It takes being offended. It takes the fivefold ministry. It takes other people's gifts. It takes your gifts to help me get me where I am. 
It does. I need you. We need each other. That's how God has called it. We're all part of a body. I need the liver. I need the gallbladder. Well, maybe you can survive without the gallbladder. So I'm pretty sure none of us are the gallbladder. (laughs) But every single person is so crucial in the body of Christ. Why would he say that if he just calls me lone rangers? You know, they're like, oh, me and God, we're good. Me and God, we're tight. I got this. But it's not how God created it. He created family. And notice that he didn't give us all the, all the gifts, all the gifts. He could have given every single one of us all the gifts so we don't need each other. He's like sprinkling, sprinkling, sprinkling. Now get along, right? Be humble. Bear with one another. Be long-suffering. I mean, there was like five different things of basically saying, play nice. It's going to be hard, <laughs> Right? Because it is, you know, one person having a bad day and gives you a look and you're like, what the heck, right? Or we can just get so easily offended. And it's so good because it gets to our pride that we're not supposed to have. Okay, Hebrews 10.25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. I guess this has been going on forever. Like, the church barely started, and he's like, get yourself together and come to church. This is in the very, very beginning. But encourage one another, especially now, as the day of his return is drawing near. Life is hard. This world is ugly, and we need each other to go change it. It's the mandate on our life. We're called to be powerful, but we need to encourage one another. When you're sad, I want to be there for you. And when I'm sad in my dream, nobody was hugging me. That's not reality, but it's just showing how people struggle without family. We need each other. We need to carry each other's burdens. We need to pray for one another. Also, we need to celebrate together. When something amazing is happening, we don't have James here, but he loves to celebrate with one another. We celebrate with each other too. That's what family does. When you're succeeding, you're doing good. I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader. There's not going to be jealousy and envy, but we're going to celebrate one another because when you're doing better, I'm connected to you. If my arm is doing great, my whole body's going to feel it, right? So we need each other. And the Bible says, don't neglect meeting together. Okay, the third reason, and I'm going to end with this. The local church is a place where you are called to use your gift to glorify God. Did you know in, um, well, we're going to go into Romans, but in Romans 12, it talks about our gifts. And yes, our gifts are for the world, but actually our gifts are for the local body. We are called to use our gift here also. And so it is a place where everybody is supposed to use their gifts. So go with me to Romans. Romans 12. So if you remember my very first scripture that I read, we went, we're in Ephesians 7. It says, each, uh, Ephesians 4, 7, to each one of us a grace or a gift was given to us according to the measure of Christ. Every single person has a gift. Well, I believe the gifts are listed in Romans 12. So go with me to Romans 12. Verse 3, and he says, because of the privilege, well, actually, I'm adding a few scriptures before we get into the key scriptures because it's so good. Because of the privilege, verse 3, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. 
Do not think of yourself better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measure yourself by the faith God has given us. What is God saying? Everything good about you was a gift. So don't think you're all that and more. I made you all that and more. So just glorify me. Okay, and then it goes on to say, just as our body has many parts, each part has a special function. Every single one of you has such a special function in the body of Christ. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Whether you like it or not, we have each other for all eternity. So we might as well learn to like each other here, right? I think it's going to be easier in heaven. Verse 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing things well. Different gifts for doing things well. So if God is giving you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God is giving you. If God is giving you the gift of serving others, did you know that's a gift? To serve a servant's heart, that's a gift. That's a gift, and we need it. If you're called to serve, please serve, and serve well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. (laughs) Did you know that's a gift to the body of Christ? People actually just carry that encouragement. So when they come to church on a Sunday, just them being them, allowing the Holy Spirit to flow, they just think they're being normal, but yet they are bringing so much hope and encouragement to somebody. It's a gift that just comes. And if your gift is giving, then give generously. People have a gift to make a lot of money. It's just a gift. It comes natural. It's like they don't even hardly have to work for it. Money comes. That is a gift. And God says, no, don't be stingy. It's for the kingdom. Give generously. And if God is giving you a leadership ability, take it seriously. Live above reproach. Lead by example. Okay, I added that, but take it seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness, and this word also means mercy, it's a gift of mercy and compassion, then do it gladly. This is missions. This is food bank. This is all that compassion ministries that we have. That's a gift that God is giving you, that you see people, and and you don't want to see people suffer. And harm, and that's a gift, and the church needs that gift, and they need you. So these are the gifts. God takes it very seriously that we use our gifts, and the gifts are called to be used in the body. So the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher are called to equip you to use your gift, stir you up to use your gift. Do you get it? Does that make sense? That everybody is doing their part so we can have a healthy, flowing body. God takes it very seriously. The the parable of the talents, God was not very happy that he had graced somebody with talents and gifts and they just buried it and did nothing. That we need to use what God has given us. And if you think you don't have a gift, the enemy is lying to you. You are amazing. You're a big part of the body of Christ, and God needs you, and we are missing out. 
We are missing out when you are not allowing the Holy Spirit to, uh, to use your gift in the body of Christ. Okay, so I'm going to close with this. Ben talked about this as he opened up, but the vision of our church is a place where you encounter God. Why is that? Because it's not about us. Though God cares about us, and us as pastors, we care about you so much. But we have to have the presence of God. Because we know that if you come here and you feel the tangible presence of God, that alone can radically change your life. And if God is not here, everything we're doing is in vain. I don't care how anointed a teaching is. Without the Holy Spirit, it's nothing. We have to have a place that God inhabits. That is the point. You know, the tabernacle of the the Old Testament, what was the point of it? The, the presence of the Lord filled it, and he wanted to be among the people. Jesus is walking in our midst. The seven letters, okay, I'm going off on something real quick, but listen. In Revelation, there's seven letters to the churches. And it says that Jesus was walking in the midst, checking it out. Jesus is in our midst if we allow him. <laughs> Some churches have him locked outside. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But we need the Holy Spirit flow. We need the presence of God. So the number one thing we are going to protect as pastors is the presence of God. So if worship lingers, don't be offended. Holy Spirit's doing something. If you're tired, sit down. This is why we have worship nights. This is why we have prayer. We need the presence of God. The second is that you find a family, a place that you can find family. We need each other. We need connection. This is what God says. We need to encourage one another. We're not called to do life alone. You need to allow people to see you. And that does not happen on a Sunday morning. It happens when you get involved in a small group. Get involved. Serve somewhere. Be a part of a team. Let people see you, the gift inside of you. Do real life with people. A part of family. And the third one, to be transformed by the word of God. We have to have the word of God. That's what transforms us. And so we will never water down the word of God. We're going to speak truth and love because that's what we need. We need God's word. Amen? Okay, so first and foremost, the presence of God. Second, belonging to a family. For relationship, identity, accountability, and transformed by the word of God so we can mature in the Lord and we can go out and make disciples of all nations. We are called to make disciples of all nations.